Can you hear? Yes, you can. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Marius, if you are new or happen to have forgotten somehow. Um, as Charles said at the beginning of the service, we are in a uh, series in Zechariah. Tonight we are in chapter 8, and I will attempt to do the impossible, namely to preach from an entire chapter. Um, there are three points in today's sermon, each one according to the, the bigger chunk in the, to the three chunks of text in the chapter. And I will read the text for each one as we go along because I don't want to push it with the, with the entire chapter at the beginning. And I entitled the sermon, Your Future is Bright, Be Strong, Be a Blessing. You'll see how that works as we go along. So, first point is your future is bright. That's uh, verses 1 to 8. Let's first read the text and then we'll see where we go from there. So this is Zechariah chapter 8, starting with verse 1. And the word of the Lord of hosts... Um, came saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion, and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women shall again, again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with staff in hand because of great age. And the streets of, city, of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, It is marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days. Should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. So the discussion going on here between God and the people through Zechariah, of course, has begun back in chapter 7, if you remember, where, God was, uh, uh, where the people came to God asking him, are we, are we still supposed to be fasting for the destruction of the, for the celebration, well, celebration, for the remembrance of the destruction of the temple, or should we stop? God doesn't answer, but asks a question. Are you doing it for me, or you're doing it just because it's a religious tradition? As you probably remember, they were doing it just because it was a religious tradition. Their hearts were not in the right place. Their hearts were not worshipping, so to say. What's the result? Look at verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. God is looking down on His chosen people, and He sees them worshipping a tradition, not Him, 
but something he told them to do. And the result is jealousy. Now, picture this. Look at verse 1. Verse 2, sorry. He says, I'm I'm jealous for my people. I'm full of wrath for the fact that you have hurt me by not giving giving me or bringing me the worship that I require and I should have. And in verse 3, he does an amazing thing. He's so jealous on his people that he comes and lives with them. To keep them away, to direct them away from the wrong kind of worship. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. He's so jealous and full of wrath for, the, for their behavior that he returns to live with them and be with them so that they will again be holy and faithful. Now, as you, as you read and as we read these things, we should also focus on what it says in verse five, 4 and 5. It says, All men and all women shall again sit in the streets. Children will play on the streets and so on. But this is, this is, not, this is not the picture of the present of Jerusalem. This is not what's going on. What we have now is a city in ruins, a temple destroyed. God is not with his people. So what's going on? Even, even in uh, the temple in Jerusalem will be finished in 515 BC. Even when it will be finished, there's nothing about the greatness of God and the glory of God living with his people. What is going on? The Persians are opposing the building of the temple. Then the Greeks will come. Then even worse, the Roman Empire will come. As you remember from the times of Jesus. So the promise here is about tomorrow. It's about the future. This is a promise about a bright future. What God is showing them now, though, is something absolutely impossible. Look at verse 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts, If it's marvelous in the sight of the remnant of this people, should it also be marvelous in my eyes? Should it be marvelous for me? In other words, if this promise of mine that I'm going to come and live with you and within you as my people is impossible for you, should it also be impossible for me? And this is not something we this is not something is that is impossible for us to imagine. Have you ever encountered something impossible in your life that you would have thought that well this is not going to happen. The fact that I stand here as a Christian and I'm even talking to you about these things is something that could have been impossible or would have been impossible at one point. If you met me 20 years ago, you wouldn't have said he's going to become a Christian and preach to us about Christ. Maybe we could say that about many of us here tonight. 
But we have experienced and we do experience impossibility in our lives. Life gets hard and we think, well, that's not going to go away. We think there's no way that we can get out of the problems that we're facing at this moment, whatever they are. Too much pain, too much suffering. Maybe people have deceived us. Maybe people have behaved in, a, in ways that hurt us and we are suffering the consequences of, of that throughout life. And the one thing that we say many times is God could not possibly change this. The future could not be better than the past. If it is marvelous in the sight of the remnant, should it also be marvelous in my sight, declares the Lord. And I want to draw your attention to the one big mistake that we always make, especially as Christians. We underestimate God. We underestimate Jesus every day. When we don't come to Jesus in prayer, when we do not worship Jesus, when we do not come to him and confess, we underestimate Jesus completely. He's not just the Lord. He's not just the Savior. He's not just the the Son of God who's been resurrected. Through Him and for Him was everything that was made. Right? Do not underestimate Jesus. This is what those people during the Zechariah's time struggled with. They were underestimating God. And that's what we are struggling today with. We underestimate Jesus all the time. Just, just think about how many times you said different... No, just think about how many times you trusted yourself with the problem and not Jesus. I did many times, even after I became a Christian. We go to ourselves, not to Him first, many times. Here's the other thing I want to show you. We're still on point number one. This is verse seven. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country. These people had the wrong kind of heart. Their, Their hearts were invested in something that other than God. Their worship was... deficient... What's that word? Uh, Was... Wrongly focused at best, let's put it like that. But God was so jealous about his people that he came to them. God's jealousy and wrath in this case did not push God away or make God push his people away or punish them, but it drove God to his people. It drove God to live with them and make them holy. Now, when is all this going to happen? We talked about that this is about the future. Verses 7 and 8. 
I will save my people from the east country and from the west country and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people and I will be their God in faithfulness and in righteousness. So God will save people from the east and from the west. The Lord will bring them back and they will belong to him and he will be their God. The making right of all wrongs, including our hearts, will happen at the return of Christ. Yes, Christ has come to save us. But the promise will happen when he returns. So, to conclude, first point. Even if you have not been living a life in which worship is oriented towards Jesus or towards God, or maybe you're worshiping just because you think you're a religious person, or maybe you're part of a group of people that worship because they're just religious people and you want to be worshiping Jesus, the only thing you have to do is turn your heart toward Jesus. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews puts it this way, consider Jesus. Look at him. Look at what he did. Look at his life, who he was, and what he did for you. Consider him. Don't worship. Don't just sing songs because they're, we're in church and we're singing, so that's what we do. Don't do that. Don't just sit there and think that, okay, prayer time now will be done in 10 minutes and maybe Christian and Joseph and somebody else will pray and I don't have to pray. Don't, don't do that. We're not doing prayer just because it's a religious thing. We're actually talking to Jesus, the living God. We're not just singing songs. This is worship. This is where we pour our hearts out in those songs. Yesterday we were thinking, what kind of a song or what songs should we prepare for tomorrow that will somehow illustrate the message of this text? The fact that God comes to his people and lives with them and they should rejoice. Right? This is not just ritualistic or religious or call it whatever you're used to calling it. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about love. We're talking about dying and resurrecting. Point number two. Be strong. Starting with verse 9. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, you who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets who were present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before those days there was no wage for man or any wage for beast, neither was there any safety from the foe for him who went out or came in, for I set every man against his neighbor. For now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts. For there shall be a sowing of peace, the vine shall give its fruit, and the ground shall give its produce, and the heavens shall give their dew. And I will cause the remnant of this, of this people to possess all these things, and as you have been a byword of cursing among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, 
so will I save you and you shall be a blessing. Fear not, but let your hands be strong. So it's time to hear a more um, hard part of God's encouraging message to his people. In verse 9, he says, Let your hands be strong, you who in these days have been hearing these words from the mouth of the prophets, who were present on the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. Be strong. Be strong. God says to his people, be strong. But then in verse 10, he says something shocking. For before those days, there was no wage for man or any wage for beast. Neither was there any safety from the foe for him who went out or came in. Why? Because I have set every man against his neighbor. I have set every man against his neighbor. When the people did not have their lives and hearts in the right standing with God, God made, it, God made their lives difficult. He reminds them of the truth that he is the one he is the reason that their life was not going right. He is the reason, not an accident. And now, I just want to highlight again something else. Just like we are undermining or uh, underestimating Jesus all the time, we're also attributing a lot of things in our lives to accidents. We shouldn't... We, we should not be people who trust in accidents. We believe in a, in a God who is in control of everything. He's sovereign over, over every single hair in our heads. So, the reason why people were not saved from their enemies was because God turned everyone against them, against each other. We can so easily miss this when we read this or when we look at the whole history now we come from different places in the world Denmark, US, Romania Turkey, so on Ukraine, South America everywhere what we do not need in the countries where we come from yes it's a continent it's not a country <laughs> What we do not need in the countries that we come from is more laws. What we do not need is more um, changing policies. Or what we do not need is more right presidents or prime ministers. What we need is a country of individuals who know Jesus. Who worship Jesus. Not just go to church on Sunday and sing a psalm and then go home thinking, I'm right with God. The reason why things are the way they are is because we are, again, a nation, each with his own, a nation of individuals who do not know Jesus. 
what Denmark needs, what the leadership of this country needs is Jesus. Not right policies, right laws, right politicians. Until we turn our hearts back to Christ, things will not look different, nor in our lives and probably not in our country. What God is saying between the lines here is, I'm sending you a message. In the past, when people were worshipping other things or other creatures than me, rather than me, I made their life difficult. Turn to me. I will bless you. But one note here. When I say, or when we say in this church that if you turn to Jesus and the Lord will bless you, we are not saying, and I want to highlight this to the moon, I'm not saying that if you're facing challenges, those those challenges might go away just because you turn to Jesus. Maybe the biggest blessing for you if you're facing challenges and you're turning to Jesus is that you will walk through the challenges with Jesus. He will be the blessing. He will be the treasure. He will be the, the friend. But the call still stands. You want your life to be right? Turn to Jesus. He's saying, you know, your life should not look that way. The, 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 the life of your country should not look that way. It should not be this way. Look in verse 11, he says, But now I will not deal with the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the ho- Lord of hosts. You know how true that is for us? Zechariah is telling this to his to the people around him, uh, what, 500, 400 years before Jesus came? But do you know how true this is for us? I am, I personally, I am the first Christian in my family line. There was never a a believer in my family line. Do you know how much that means to me and how, what a perspective that sheds towards the future? Then my kids, my brother right now, I'm praying for my mother to be saved. How, how wide and how luminous the, the, the perspective that opens in front of my family is. The possibility that my two children will know Christ one day personally is the greatest gift in this life for any man, any person, or any father. So, whatever blessing you have in your life, don't attribute it to accidents. God is in control. Jesus is in control of economic prosperity and of failure. Your future is bright because God is in charge of your future.
point number three. Be a blessing, starting with verse 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, As I purposed to bring disaster to you and your fathers provoke me to wrath, and I did not relent, says the Lord of hosts, so again have I purposed in these days to bring good to Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Fear not. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make peace. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another and love no false oath. For all these things I hate, declares the Lord. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Thus is the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth month, and the fast of the fifth, and the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth month shall be to the house of Judah seasons of joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. Therefore love, truth, and peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, peoples shall yet come, even the inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go, once to entreat the favor of the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days... Ten men from the nations of every tongue shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Once you have experienced the salvation of Christ, there's an expectation about his people to be a blessing in the world. God says that he will save us and he will make us a blessing. How can we be a blessing? Especially during hard times which these people were facing. There's two things I want to point out from the text. Number one, God says, do what you know you should be doing as a Christian. Look at verses 16 and 17. These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gate judgments that are true and make for peace. And 17, do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. And love no false oath. For all these things I hate. How are you a blessing? How can we be a blessing? Don't do the things that God hates. Speak the truth first of all. This is something even Paul talks about. This is Ephesians 4.25. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So be a blessing by speaking the truth. Be a blessing by rendering true judgment and making right decisions. Be a blessing by not devising or thinking evil in your hearts, planning bad, evil things about somebody and then putting into practice that thing. Be a blessing by not lying or making false oaths or taking false oaths. In other words, we can all be a blessing to all those around us by doing what God has called us to do. 
At this point, many of us, if not all of us, know what it means to serve God truly and honor Him. We should do that. And that will be a blessing for others. That's one way of being a blessing. Number two, look at verses 18 and 19. The word, of, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month and the fast of the fifth month and the fast of the seventh and of the tenth shall be to the house of Judah seasons of what? Joy and gladness and cheerful feasts. So do you know what this is? This is the answer to the question from chapter 7 where people say, said or asked God, should we keep on fasting? Is this something that we should keep on doing? I mean, we're kind of hungry, you know. It's, should we keep on doing this? And he says, I don't even know what you're doing. Instead of doing fasts, instead of fasting, you should be rejoicing. Look at that. Joy, gladness, feasts. You cannot feast while you're fasting. Even Alma thinks it's funny. God answers by saying that your fast and your mourning is over. Now it's time to celebrate and feast. But you know why? Because I'm coming to you. I'm coming to Jerusalem. I'm going to live inside with you. The temple will be completed and God will be with his people. That's reason for celebration and joy, not mourning. Look at verses 20 and 23. And this is, this is so spectacular that the chapter ends like this. So you have, to you have to notice that the celebration is not just about the temple and uh, uh, um, some kind of well-being that is going to give, be given to, to the people. Look at what, what the promise here is. People shall come, even inhabitants of many other cities, many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and seek the Lord. Look at 22. Many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem. And 23 then. In those days, ten men from the nations of every tongue shall come and ta shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, saying, we want to come with you because we have heard and now we have seen that God is with you. So we're talking about being a blessing. So how is this? What's the blessing we can take out of this? We today. The blessing is, if you're a believer, if you love Jesus, tell people who you are. Give them the opportunity. Give them the chance to come to you, to grab your coat or whatever you're wearing and say, I want to know Jesus. I want to come with you to church. I just want to see why you're so different. I want to see what's wrong with you. 
You, we have to give people the opportunity to judge us, right? Let them judge us. We have to give people the opportunity to see that we love a one we do not see. The greatest way, I, let me read what I highlighted. The greatest way we can be a blessing is by letting people know who we are in Jesus so that they can come to us to know more about Jesus. We are called to share God's purpose in the world. And how can we do that? By simply stating who we are. When somebody comes to you and asks, what's your name? You give them your name, not another name. If somebody asks you, why are you so whatever, the adjectives are long, (laughs) the list. Tell them. Don't give them another name. It's called Jesus. He is called Jesus. You can be called a Christian. You can be called a follower. You can be called a lover of Christ. You can be called whatever you want to be called, but just call him Jesus. Now, coming back to something I said before, this is something about the future. It's not, during these times, the temple is torn down, people are all over the place, Everybody's afraid. There's enemies around the corner. God is not with them as such specifically. But there's encouragement in that. We can find encouragement in that. As the world, and I mean, if you look at the world right now, you cannot say this is... This is right. Everything that is happening is right, right? It's not. It's the opposite. It kind of feels that the world is falling apart. And as the world kind of disintegrates every year at a time, we are asked and we are expected to stand and shine no matter how dark it is outside. You know, good times don't turn people to Jesus. Prosperity doesn't turn people to Jesus. It's difficulty, it's suffering, it's war, it's death. These things turn people to Jesus. Maybe cancer, maybe something else. These are the things that turn people to Jesus. Because, and you know why? During prosperity and good times and peace, people don't think of God. They don't, they don't evaluate. They don't look inside. You know, at the beginning of the chapter, we were talking, we were talking about the fact that God brought suffering. They, he turned everybody against one another just to show them that their life is really bad without him. In Israel's case, God gave a bad kind of life just to make them seek Him. We are to be people that the world looks at when troubles come, 
because we are the ambassadors of Christ. We need to shine in the world. Are you, uh, are you a panicky type of person? We cannot panic as Christians. We should not be the types of people that panic, whether small or big things come our way. Because we don't believe in accidents. We believe in a sovereign God who is in control of everything. You know, you, we might look at the culture and the world today and think it's, crum- it's crumbling, it's bad, it's evil. But you know what? This is our opportunity and this is our chance to shine. It go- if God brings darkness in your life, you need to shine, not run away from it. The, this is not a time for mourning, as the text says, but it's a time for feasting and rejoicing because we know the one who saved us, namely Jesus. We know him and we are his. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for the people present tonight that, Lord, I pray that you would give us courage and give us strength to shine in this world. I pray that you would use us as your ambassadors to those around us who don't know you. Maybe you might even bring people, new people in our lives, Lord. Help us be a good testimony of your love and grace towards the world. Lord, we recognize that you're in control and sovereign over everything. And if you bring darkness into our lives, Lord, help us shine in that darkness. Thank you for Christ and thank you for what you have obtained through his death and resurrection for us. And I pray in his name. Amen. And very atypical from other times, we have one more song tonight. And so I'll invite uh, the worship team up.